will. Yeah. Chick might as well have been coming out of jail. I got some keys to those handcuffs. Wanna be free? Throw your hands up. I got some keys to those handcuffs. Wanna be free? Throw your hands up. I got some keys to those handcuffs. Wanna be free? Throw your hands up. I got them keys to those handcuffs. Wanna be free? Throw your hands up. My niggas in them wide open games. What a perfect song for what will surely be a perfect episode. Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter, at Joe Avella on Twitter. Uh, pulled a fast one on me, told me last night that he has a wedding in Vermont, so he couldn't be here. But that's great news for the listeners because we have uh, a podcast host in his very own right, Tommy McNamara is here. Hello, so excited to be here on Fleshtown. Yeah, Fleshtown <laughs> podcast where we eat fast food and talk about it. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. I'm excited. I mean, and by that, I mean thank you for inviting me into your home <laughs> yes. where we are doing this podcast. Uh, you have your own podcast that I was recently on. It's called Stand By Your Band. Yes, everyone listened to Brett's episode. It was so fun. Oh, thank you. But also listen to other episodes because I'm sure there are better ones. Uh, I know Joel Kim was on this week. Joel's is great. And I can't. Wait to listen to that. Yeah, he's so funny. What band did he do? Uh, Maroon 5. <laughs> Is he a fan? Uh, loves it. Loves it. Yeah, loves yeah, it. Yeah. Huge fan. Mm-hmm. So the premise, what's the premise of your podcast? Uh, so basically people just come on and kind of defend a band that they love that they get made fun of for. So we've had, uh, yeah, we did Maroon 5. We've done like ABBA. Uh, we did Christina, uh, Mariah Carey, just a bunch of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I did Umphreys McGee, of course. Of course. Joe gives me tons of shit on this podcast for listening to them. <laughs> so yeah, go listen to me flail while I try to defend them from their very astute observations. <laughs> um, so this episode, uh, we're here to talk about the the new Stephen King joint that just dropped on Netflix this Friday, which I will say it's amazing that it's on Netflix and everyone can see it. I love it. But this is a movie, I think, that really would have benefited from seeing in a theater. And it's kind of a bummer that it's not in a theater. Um, there's a few scenes in particular that I can't imagine seeing with a crowd that would be so fucking crazy. Uh, and really fun, but nonetheless, the movie's out and it's fucking great. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bury the lead here. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we're also here to talk about uh, an immersive, I guess we'd call it an immersive horror experience. It's uh, they don't, I don't think they like that you call it in the, that. If, if you call it an escape room, they get all touchy about it. But it's kind of an escape room sort of deal. It's called This Is Real. It's in New York City. It's in Red Hook. In the middle of a very nice little quaint little neighborhood. Yeah, I'd never been to Red Hook Me before. Neither. Yeah, I had to take a a bus or a train to a bus, but instead of taking the bus, I just walked for forty five minutes. Um, I like and that. I, I should have like, done that. I wanted to like get in the the vibe of like not knowing where I was. Yeah. But then there was like literally a bar across the street. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a it was a little uh, jarring. We saw on the way to or on the way back we saw John Hodgman and we we're like, oh, is this part of it? <laughs> <laughs> Judge Judge Hodgman yeah. at the end declares the last if, spook. Yeah. yeah, declares if you were alive or not. <laughs> um so we're talking about that. Uh I saw a few movies this week that are of note, I saw the new Tom Cruise flick. Saw American Made. That's that. Um, it's spelled M A D E. It's not American Made. He's not a <laughs> maid in the movie. Um, the French s- have had it for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the new Jake Gyllenhaal led movie called Stronger, directed by David Gordon Green. Um, and I saw the new Yorgos Lanthimos joint, the Greek guy who's made such films as Dogtooth and Alps and The Lobster. I saw his new one. It's called The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and it might be his most twisted movie yet, Ooh. which is really saying something. What's that about? Um, we'll save it for the what did you watch section, Okay, pal. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hang in there. Uh, this part, though, we just talk about our weeks, what we did, what's going on in your life. How are you? Oh, no. I, I was not prepared for this personal <laughs> question. <laughs> this is great. I had a great week. My, uh, my parents were in town for part of it, which was fun. Oh, yeah. Did they go to your show? Yeah, I had a show with Caroline, so my parents, uh, we went to dinner, and then I did that, which was very fun. It was a good time. We had new SNL cast member Chris Red drop by, and oh, he cool. killed. It was great. Oh, my God. And everyone who was booked on the show was great. It was just a blast. It was very fun. Uh, I'm trying to think if I did anything else notable. 
It's always a struggle. I, w- I mean, I was in Chicago over the weekend. I got back on Monday. Oh, yeah. What did you do so in I Chicago? I was there for a wedding, but, you know, did some shows, uh, ate some too much food, did the whole thing. Okay. That's yeah. perfect. Uh, what did I do this week? I'm looking at my calendar. All I did this week was watch movies. In addition to those movies I mentioned, I also saw something called Thirst Street, which I want to talk about because it's, it's already out of theaters. It was only playing at the quad for a week, but it's this really affecting little, little mm. drama that I enjoyed very much. Um, besides that, I had a very, again, just another, <laughs> not, not a lot going on this weekend. Um, I'm preparing myself for the next, the whole month of October, which is already my favorite month because of, you know, horror related mm. things, October, Halloween. Um, got a lot of concerts next weekend. I'm going to see my favorite dead cover band. J-Rad is in town. Uh, listen to the show. We'll know I'm obsessed with that. I, uh, I'm seeing the National on Friday. Hell yeah, where at? Uh, they're at Forest Hills nice. Stadium. And then uh, I might go to New Brunswick, New Jersey on Monday for my friend's band from L.A. They're in town doing a house show there. Cool. That sounds fun. Uh, Future Islands coming up. Hell yeah. Another weekend of J-Rad. <laughs> There's just... Uh, Oh, Umphreys McGee at the Capitol. Which I will be there. You are going to, which will be a whole whole experience. Yeah. Um. So yeah, got a lot of stuff coming up. Not a lot going on. Cubs playoffs are coming up. Cubs playoffs are coming up. Very exciting times. All right, let's get into what should we talk about first. I think before we get into like movie related stuff, let's talk about this is real. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because their PR person would really appreciate it if if we put yeah, it up, yeah, if yeah, we put yeah, it totally. up top. Um. So this is real. I had heard about it just from, uh, I don't know how I heard about it. It wasn't, I heard it before, before you, you wrote about it. I had seen ads for it and thought to myself, that is something I would never do. Yeah. Because I am, I've never done a haunted house. The, the scariest haunted house I can imagine when I was a kid was the, the local pool turned their locker room into one (laughs) in October. And so did the country club my neighbor went to. So I never did anything like this. Have you, had you done anything like that? No, yeah. I had a similar experience for the last haunted house I had been to. It was like my friend's moms were the ones doing the scares. And I was like, oh no, it's Mrs. Sullivan. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's not a vampire. (laughs) So yeah, I'd never even done, I'd never done an escape room either. I'd never done anything like this at all. Yeah. So, I don't know what your experience was, but I'll just detail what happened when we walked in. So we get there. There's a woman outside with a clipboard, mm-hmm. um, and she looks pretty fairly menacing. Like she's wearing like kind of like I want to say like old fashioned like circus gear. She's wearing a top hat when I was there. Yeah, top yeah, hats yeah. involved. Um, and yeah, we signed this this very long, or actually it's the one page waiver, very small print. Didn't read much of that one. Yeah. But then there was a second page with the rules, which it said you like they very vehemently said you know you're only going to see these once so please read them thoroughly and the rules included such things as like we're gonna uh, put a blindfold on you let us do it we're gonna Mm -hmm. put your hands in cuffs let us do it um and it just kind of explained that like you know brute force is not involved in anything here like if something if you pull something and like it's not supposed to be pulled like it's not a trick like don't don't fuck with it um then there was was there that guy who had like the white makeup on too was there two people when you when who were like uh, helping you? I in? did not have a white makeup guy. Okay, there was a white makeup guy whose entire thing when we were standing out there talking to the lady was just staring at us, Whoa. not saying a word, and he kept staring at me and Joe to the point where like we were I guess five minutes to ten minutes early, and so they were, they didn't say a word to us after we signed the stuff. They're just standing there staring at us, and we Joe and I just kept trying to make small talk, and they wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm like, is this a part of it? This is so scary. The lady kept making fun of me and my friend. What did she do? <laughs> She like we because we kept reading over the rules to make sure that we didn't mess anything up, and she kept going, "Having trouble reading, are you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't read it too well. Like yeah. they just—it was me, uh, the podcast co-host Joe, and then there was two other people. And uh, so when once we get in there, they put they make you put on these jumpsuits, which in your in your description of them, they were damp. <laughs> yes, they were like grossly damp. Not enough, like enough where. Not enough where they were like soaking, but it was damp enough that everyone noticed it. And we asked the lady, and she was like, "It's part of the game." <laughs> we're like, "I don't think like, it is." We forgot to do laundry this <laughs> yeah, week. It's yeah. part of the game. <laughs> uh, incredible. But uh, once you put those on, they then put the blindfold on you and they cuff you, and then they just like kind of. That was honestly the scariest part for me. It's just being like led somewhere when you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then it they did out, really good sound design, also. Oh yeah. Like it was very creepy. Jordan was there. <laughs> oh, cool. hey, Jordan, what's up? Um, it was very creepy. Um, they just so what happened with me when they put me in? It was a 
it's like a cage essentially. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they tell you to put on these headphones when you walk in there, or they put these headphones on you when you walk in the room, and they tell you not to take them off until you're explicitly told to. And then what happens before you is like a play. Like there's people in there. Uh, there's like a big, I want to say like supposed to be like the inbred, like big goofy guy mm-hmm. who's in there on the floor just playing with toys. <laughs> and then there's a woman in a chair being just fucking tortured. And there was a guy uh, torturing her. And like you could hear, vi- like, I didn't realize it was all through the headphones. So I took them off and I was like, oh, like you can't hear anything. Like they're all, it's like all recorded. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought they were talking. No. But we had different scenes. Oh, okay. Which is very weird because I was in the same place like watching someone get tortured, but it was a guy. Mm. Okay. So the way Joe and I figured, because me and this other dude were in the same immediate room and then Joe and this guy's girlfriend were in the other room and they, I think, had the same one you had. So I think there were two playing out at the same time. Okay. And then what was fucked up for me is when I had the headphones on, I think those the people, I don't know if they were genuinely scared or just playing along, but like they were upset that they were like separated and she was like screaming for him. And he was like, like, Jenna, I don't know where you are. Like, where are you? What? <laughs> yeah. So me and Joe are both, I think, just silent and watching the thing and like they're screaming about it. But then like the, the, the killer guy leaves the room and then you're just kind of left to your own devices. Like, how do you get out of here? Yeah. And I don't want to ruin the, like, if in case anyone does it, I don't want to ruin the specifics of it, but it's, like, not easy. Well, that's why it's weird that they are kind of emphatic that it's not an escape room, because that part... It is an escape room. It's 100% escape room. Right. Again, I've never done an escape room, but I imagine that's what it is. Like, you have to use what's around you to get out. Yeah. So... To escape a room. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I kind of just followed, like, the... They kind of were... Uh, I'd say in the play part of it, they were kind of like, I didn't realize this till after, but like they were kind of setting you up to like show you what objects you could probably use. Like there was like this air hose thing that he sprayed on our faces that would like come into play. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I noticed there was like, uh, like what do you call it? Dish gloves, like cleaning the dishes, Mm -hmm. gloves, like yellow gloves on the floor. And I was like, well, there's a drain over there and a sink. So that means I should probably get in there. So like, it's just like quick thinking. Yeah. But I'm going to say I was amazed at, like, the difficulty level, I thought. like I, For sure. It was amazing that we – I think we did a couple of the ones at, at the start very quickly to the point where afterwards they're like, you guys got that pretty quick. But then the second half, we couldn't figure it out until mm. they had to, like, kind of – they kind of had to cheat and start yelling clues at us. They did the same. They got pretty frustrated with us. <laughs> <laughs> you said it took you guys an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. It took us, I think, just under an hour. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I think we were slow pokes. <laughs> But I will say, I was like, because, yeah, I was like, oh, everything's going to come into play. So I was just kind of hoarding shit in my pockets. So oh, then really? at the end, I come out and she's like, why did you take your chain with you? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to have to use it. That's um, so funny. Well, uh, there were like, I don't, I'm trying to think about how you guys would do it with six people because there wasn't that, I didn't think that there were that many hiding places. So there was four of us in the same room to start. And then there was someone we had. So then there was. Did someone get like caught and they had to like yeah, yeah so they separated a couple people so yeah that's how they did it. i will say I, I don't think you got to hear this uh the one thing i, did, I loved it i think this is real is great the one thing i hated was during the little play part uh the guy was like i was just like you last night i was home binge watching stranger things oh, yeah. and i wanted to just yell fuck you <laughs> uh i had a similar but different line mine was worse i'd say oh no it was Breaking Bad. <laughs> and then she, like, made a whole point to explain that she knows she's late to it. Oh but, like, God. she still had to watch it. <laughs> it took me right out of it. Right? Like, right out of Immediately. it. Immediately. Yeah. Um, if you're listening, uh, this is real writers. Retool that section. Yeah. Um, I will say the only – I don't want to critique it too much because I think it's awesome. I think it's so good. And I think yeah. everyone should do it. Pay, pay the money. Do totally. it. If it comes to your town, fucking do it. If you're in New York, absolutely do it. Um, just, I guess the only thing I would say is like, work on the dialogue a little more on Mm. that part, because it's the only part that like requires that like dialogue to be spoken to you. And it's the only part that I felt like I was kind of giggling through it. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of it, I was mortified. Genuinely scared. Genuinely scared. Uh, there's a part where like you find these IDs and like driver's licenses of people. You're like, oh my God, these are victims. And you're like, are they just props or like, are this is this going to be useful to me at some totally. point? Totally. It's so interesting. Also, I think you also said you hid in the refrigerator. Yes. Yeah. Which to me was, it was just horrifying because like you're literally cramped in a refrigerator. Like you're, it's sure. not a fake refrigerator. You're just hiding in it. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It was very scary. And then the scariest part for me, I'm going to spoil it. I don't think it's a spoiler really, but like, 
so that was my hiding space throughout the whole time. So I did it again later when they, when the guy comes back. Um, and he opened it and found me. He opened the fridge? And scared the shit out of me. Oh, my God. I was mortified. I can't believe he opened the fridge. Wow. Yeah. So, like, you know, I thought if you're hiding, you're safe. That's kind of what they implied. Like, if you can't see, if he can't see you, you're good. But he fucking swung <laughs> the door. And I was like, I think I screamed. I was oh so my God. scared. Um, how many times did you die? I only died once. Really? I was very proud of myself. I died Honestly, four times. But I think they, they, they let me go at the end. I think they forgot to put one of the. Pa- I think I died twice, but they only <laughs> counted one, which was great. I would say the scariest part for me, I think, was in the beginning, kind of during the play part. But when he, the guy, the guy started coming around, and I thought he was gonna like come into my cell or cage and like touch. I was so afraid of being touched. Yeah. Because it said in the rules like you might be touched. Yeah. And I was like, ah! But he just walked by, he kind of put his hand on my bars, and said. You're beautiful. Yeah, he did like, oh, that. Thanks, man. No, thank you so much. I, I left like with very body positive. It was, it was actually like I would pay for that. You know, it was very nice. Um, I died a lot of times. Um, the rest of them were legit, except the first one I was mad at because it was like he left the room or he seemingly left the room, but I didn't realize this until they told me. The until you hear the the fake lock click. That's when you're safe. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, yeah. like, he left the room, and I poked my head out, and then he fucking peeked his head back and said, dead! Oh, and I was shit. pissed. It was, like, the first minute, and I was so mad. Um, but, yeah, then the guy comes in and puts, like, a tag on you to say that you're, you've died mm-hmm. once. And then he says, don't move until you hear the locks. And I was like, oh, nice hint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, fucking yeah. fact. Um, it was awesome. The ending I thought was hilarious. The ending was crazy. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. That was by. I mean, there's all these like flashing lights and stuff where it's like you, your primal instincts kick in and you can't. Even if the whole time you're like, I know I'm in a play. This part you're like, Oh, I was horrified. You're just, you're running. So I like, like accidentally knocked someone over. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't think it's a spoiler to say like you have to escape a room. So like the end of it is like you kind of have keys and it's like, can you make it out? And it's kind of like a janitor key ring of like a hundred keys. And it's mm. like the intensity of that moment of like oh, trying to figure yeah. out which one while you know there's a murderer behind you. Yeah. It was so scary. And I've never sweated that much in my life. I was, Oh, fucking, it's like, I it's a workout. It was damp. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's yeah. really gross. But yeah, I was, I was riding the bus, I took the bus home after and it just felt so bad for everyone near me. I'm like, <laughs> we're sweating me and Joe and just talking about like a murder house. Like I can't imagine what people were thinking. Like, well, your adrenaline's so high too. I was like, so yeah. like I, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, the lead or not the lead singer, the keyboardist of Cobra Starship was in our group. What? <laughs> it's <a bad> ridiculous. <laughs> that makes like sense. Like they took a picture afterwards for Instagram and they tagged everyone and we looked and there's like, why does this chick have like sixty thousand followers? <laughs> it's like keyboardist Cobra Starship still in the bio even though the band like dissolved. <laughs> yeah, in that's funny. Twenty fifteen or something. Two of the people in our group were worked for timeout new york and they had gopros on because they were gonna put oh some footage up and i'm so worried that there's footage on timeout new york of me like screaming <laughs> you, know you, in the, you in the uh refrigerator <laughs> just crying in the refrigerator <laughs> yeah god i would love to see that i really hope that that pans I out know. Ugh. um i don't know what else to say about it without ruining it it's it's a lot of fun uh it's put on by something called the psycho Psycho clan Clan. psycho clan nyc on instagram i know they're psycho underscore clan underscore nyc so check them out you can see a photo of tommy and his friends you can see a photo of me and joe and uh famous people from from cobra starship it flew by i would say flew by yeah not uh, i said ours was about an hour and yours was an hour and 20 minutes it felt like 20 minutes exactly i felt the same thing and it's, it's crazy yeah um I just felt the pride I felt when we figured something out. It's totally. amazing. It got me. We, we immediately were looking at other escape rooms in Brooklyn afterwards. Like, I want to do this. I want to go to all of them. Yeah, you feel it is a weird feeling of pride that like real men must feel when they like fix something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I when like, they accomplish yeah. anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I've never felt it <laughs> yeah. until uh, the escape room. Um, so this is real. This is real. Dot NYC. Thank you so much. Um, to This Is Real for letting us do it and talk about it for free. It's totally. Nice. And check out my – I wrote an article about it for Brightest Young Things uh, that you can check out. Very cool. I hope you'll enjoy. Um, let's get into uh, the bits and pieces segment, which is when we talk about uh, what's new in the world of horror this week. A lot of news. Not sure if you'll care about any of it, but I'm going to talk to you about it anyway. Uh, the first bit of news, we've been following this story for a bit. 
Halloween's being remade, as you know. Ooh. I don't know if you knew. Uh, I don't know if you also knew that David Gordon Green is is directing it, and it's being written by Danny McBride and him. Oh, shit. It's really cool. Um, and this news is just that uh, Jason Blum this weekend gave more assurances that uh, John Carpenter, creator of the, the director, the, the score, you know, the man behind the movie, the original, is very heavily and he's trying to uh, she's trying to get the point across that he's heavily involved and he's not just like executive producing he said we don't take any big steps without his approval for instance hiring david and danny he approved he approved their pitch he approved their first script he approved bringing back jamie lee curtis which is happening Ooh, that's fun uh so anytime we make a big creative turn he's involved with that and we don't do it without his blessing and we went to him and asked him to be involved. There was no contractual, financial, or any other obligation to have him on the movie. We just wanted to. We just went back and asked him to join us again. So I'm excited about that. That movie. Uh, I don't think Joe really gave a shit that Jamie was back because Jamie was back for H2O and uh, the eighth one that starred Tyra Banks and Buster Rhymes. Um, but I think it's cool. I think what they're saying is this one's gonna ignore all the sequels except for the first in the second movie. So it's going to just be a continuation, which I'm fine with them retconning because that series went off the rails so mm-hmm. badly. Um, so if that's what they're going to do, I am fully on board. That's mm-hmm. that's cool that David Gordon Green's doing it. It's awesome. David yeah. Gordon Green is the most has the most eclectic resume in Hollywood. He's done he started as like an indie darling. George Washington, George right? Washington, yeah. amazing movie. Great movie, yeah. Um, Snow Angels I liked a lot. Um, and now this weekend he just did uh, Stronger. But in addition to that, he also became this like weird comedy guy. He's doing this season of Vice Principals. I think he was involved in uh, Eastbound and mm-hmm. Down. Yeah. And he's directed um, Your Highness, Delayed. Oh, I which saw that. that movie was delayed heavily. <laughs> he also did another delayed comedy, The Sitter, with Jonah Hill. Did not see that. It was fine. It's not terrible. It's just one of those movies that got sat in a shelf for years. Um, and then he most popular of those like weird studio comedies he did was Pineapple Express, which to me gets funnier every time I watch it. I love that movie. Uh, interesting choice for Halloween. I like that they're not just like Rob Zombie took it and, you know, made it a Rob Zombie movie. Mm-hmm. He's been just remaking Texas Chainsaw Massacre for every fucking movie he makes. <laughs> so that's what that was. And I think this is an inspired choice. And I, I like that they're both, it seems like they're both just fans and also excited to be doing this material. So I have full faith in it. And I pulled this news. I think we'll both have riffs on how terrible this is. Uh, Tom Hanks will voice David S. Pumpkins for an animated <laughs> Halloween special. I did see that. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> I never saw the sketch, honestly. The whole sketch, it's uh, the sketch. If you don't know who David S. Pumpkins is, <laughs> You're it, complicit. Was a, it was one sketch on, um, on SNL. The whole premise was like it's a haunted elevator ride at like a at like a theme park, and every level there's something scary pops out. But you know, there's on SNL like the classic rule of three. It's like two straight things and then something wild. So this one, the third thing was always David S. Pumpkins, and it was just Tom Hanks wearing like a pumpkin suit, and there were two skeletons near him, and no one. The whole premise is like, why is this a part of the of the, the haunted house? It's just house goofy. Ride? Yeah. It's just goofy and like. And it ends with him saying, any questions every time? So, like, it's funny. It was funny. I hate that it became this, like, huge fucking Mm -hmm. viral thing that, like, everyone has referenced for months. And it's been a year almost. And now they're doing an entire special on it, an animated half hour. They spent money (laughs) to make this. Um, Peter Dinklage is in it. And so is Tom Hanks and Mikey Day and Bobby Moynihan. Did you ever see the Larry David sketch, the 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 one where he just yells something and he like bitch, I forget what it's called. No. David it's like David David Roberts or something, but it's the same bit. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That one the bit is like they're it's like an FBI training thing and they're doing like a shooting gallery and bad guys keep coming up and one of them is just is just Larry David doing a character. Okay. It's the yeah, same yeah. bit. SNL really gets a lot of juice out of like the same premises. For sure. It's pretty interesting. Um, so that's happening. If anyone gives a shit, October 28th, 1130. I, I did think. think it was weird when he came out during this is real. If you, <laughs> yeah. if you get out of the first room and he's like, any questions? <laughs> and you're like, I haven't seen the bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Um, what else do we have here? 
Oh, we're going to talk a lot about Stephen King in a bit, but I'll start now. Um, as everyone knows, this year has kind of been the year of King. There's been a huge box office failure the dark tower there was it which is the gonna be like the highest grossing movie of the year and like has all these records uh gerald's game came out on netflix this weekend and it's great everyone loves it there's another one coming to netflix next month called 1922 that people say is great oh yeah with um tom jane i'm not playing the sure, lead, I'm pretty sure. Tom Jane's yeah. in it, but i fucking I hope so. so i love tom jane he just wants his kids back. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, who else is in it? I don't think Tom Jane's in it. It's Bruce Blaine, Caitlin Bernard, Spencer Brown. I don't know these people. Hmm. Brian Darcy James. But 1922, I don't know what it's about. The premise here says, a simple yet profound, oh, profound, a simple yet proud rancher in the year 1922 conspires to murder his wife for financial gain, convincing his teenage son to participate. That sounds great. And add in the year 1922, Ooh, what could go wrong? Now you're cooking. Uh, right. So Stephen King has been doing a lot of interviews. And after the success of It, I think Joe and I both said we'd love to see a new Salem's Lot and like The Stand. Hell yeah. And like a few other ones. And he already, he just told Vulture, there's already talk about doing The Stand as an extended TV series, possibly for Showtime or CBS. And there's been some interest in developing Salem's Lot as a feature. Probably because people are saying, well, we took an old miniseries called It and turned it into a phenomenon, so maybe we can do something else. Nothing succeeds like excess. So he has a sense of humor about it. That whole um, interview, it's funny trying to read like <laughs> when he's being sarcastic and when he's be- – because you, you can't really tell which way he's going on any yeah. of this stuff. He's, Tom Jane is in 1922, by the way. Is he? Yeah. I, I think he's the lead. Yeah. lied to me. He's not listed at all on the desktop uh, oh, IMDb site. Yeah, in the yeah. main page. That's very strange. I think he's the lead. I believe you. Yeah. I believe. It's on his IMDb. Uh, interesting. Maybe the movie's embarrassed that they had him in. <laughs> yeah, maybe Alan Smithy does <laughs> yeah. his own project. Um, and he said there's talk of another thing, an animated feature, but I can't tell you anything further. It's a secret. Ooh. And he also talked a little bit about how the, if they do a Dark Tower TV series reboot, It'll be a reboot. It won't be having anything to do with the movie. Basically distancing, distancing himself from that fucking train wreck. Did you see it? No. I The Dark Tower, I never read any. Of, that's one of the – I'm a big King fan, but I never read any of the Dark Tower books or saw the movie. So I feel like I'm totally out on that. Don't see the movie. Yep. <laughs> but I hear the books are great. I haven't read them either. I've Joe heard that too. Them. Another Stephen King bit is that Spike has already canceled The Mist, the TV show, which I don't know if you even oh, knew wow. was a thing. I did not know that was going to happen. It lasted one season. The Mist is, I think, one of the best Stephen King adaptations, uh, the movie. The movie, yeah. The movie's Frank great. Frank Darabont's. Um, yeah, the, the Mist's run could barely crack 800,000 viewers. Sad day. I never watched it, so I blame myself. There's also the Mr. Mercedes series. But it's on, like... It's on a channel that you have to, like, have a yeah. satellite for. But Joe and I got our hands on the first one and watched it. And it's just so... First of all... It came out the same weekend as the uh, uh, the a car attacks that like killed a bunch of people. Oh, the car attack in Charlottesville. Yeah. So the opening scene of Mr. Mercedes is literally that. Mm-hmm. So I was we were talking about how if it had if the, the if it happened in different order if Charlottesville happened and then it was supposed to premiere on Sunday it wouldn't have fucking happened they would have pulled it. Well, what's but, crazy too is that in that book. Is there's also a concert uh, bombing kind of thing, and that just happened too in Manchester. That old uh, thing. Are, are terrorists just reading Stephen? I King? guess, yeah, apparently. That we have to put a stop to this. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, back in the TV front, uh, David Cronenberg's Scanners is the next like movie to TV series they're trying. Uh, there's a plan to develop and package it with a high-end filmmaker and showrunner. This is in very early stages, and I doubt it'll happen. Mm. Um, Scanners is a great fucking movie, though. Have you seen it? No. It's about like this like network of people with telekinetic abilities, and they get uh, like start getting hunted down by like the man who created them. Ooh. It's great, and that's the you know you might not know the movie, but you know the GIF. There's a GIF of the man's head exploding. Oh yeah. Like at like a news desk. <laughs> I know it immediately. Yep. Yep. That's Scanners. <laughs> Um, I think all TV series now should just be like based on gifts. Based on popular gifts, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's foolproof. Um, we talked a little bit about this last week. How James Cameron is back on board and fluffing the new uh, Terminator 
They're bringing back, uh, what's her name, Linda Hamilton. She's going to be Sarah Connor again. Tim Miller, who directed Deadpool's back. We we couldn't care less. We've, we basically yeah. said how this franchise has had so many opportunities to like usher it into the modern era, and they keep failing. Uh, Cameron feels the same way and said to THR, this is a continuation of the story from Terminator 1 and 2. We're pretending the other films were a bad dream or an alternate timeline, which is permissible in our multiverse. He basically just shit on bad dream three four and five which i don't know fuck you james cameron's a dick that is so funny to think of how many people worked for like months tirelessly on those movies and then he just goes bad dream bad dream <laughs> and they also a lot of them made money like this one wouldn't be happening if those didn't make a lot of money mm-hmm. you know we wouldn't so, have that christian bale thing <laughs> yeah oh my god that's right directed by mick g yeah mick g good mick man g. where's mick g been where's mick g <laughs> get back out here uh, and then another big news this week, we all knew it was coming, but It Part 2 has a date. What's the date? September 6, 2019. So a full couple years. Mm, that's two years, yeah. Kind of rough. Um, we have to, they have to let those kids like age. Who, like, have you, I'm sure you guys have talked about casting choices. Who? Uh... We, I think, I speculated at first that Jessica Chastain would be Beverly, because Andy Muschietti, the director, made Mama with her, and I know they're they're friendly. I love Mama. Ma- Do you? Can you explain why? Because actually, I don't, I like, don't it. like that movie, but <laughs> but I don't like it for a personal reason. Oh my God, this is perfect. No, no, I just saw it, uh, and then like two hours later, a woman I dated for three years broke up with me. So <laughs> whenever I think of Mama, I think, oh, that was a good movie. But and you also <laughs> repress it because you were like, great movie. <laughs> you see these tears streaming down my face. Oh, uh, we're gonna end the show now. Tommy needs uh, some counseling. Um, no, I don't know who else. I haven't really thought about it beyond the bound Beverly. I don't know why, because I'm a sexist pig, but. <laughs> Either her, Amy. She looks a lot like Amy Adams too. It is funny that people are only proposing redheaded actresses, <laughs> like as if we haven't figured out the technology. <laughs> if it was someone with different colored hair, it can only be one of those two. I will only accept <laughs> that. Um, what else do I have? Any more news? Oh God, I don't know if I want to go into this. Do you know anything about Victor Salva, the director? No. He is the man who created the Jeepers Creepers franchise, most famously. But he is a convicted pedophile. And it's crazy that he has been able to make movies, including a children's movie for Disney after the fact. Um, It's this whole horrible thing. Basically, the movies, Jeepers Creepers 3 was supposed to come out this month. it seems like people are woker now about shit like this. So like the movie's release got like pulled and it partnered with fathom events, which is that company that does like one night only things at theaters. So it had its, it it played this week, one night only at theaters across the country. I think we're not going to watch it as like a fist in the air movement to say, fuck Victor Salva. Even though I gleefully watched the first two movies in the franchise before I knew Mm -hmm. what he had done, but basically filmed himself with a child that was a star of his movie. Fuck. Jesus and like it's Christ. all out there. And Ugh. it's amazing that he did 15 months of a three-year sentence, got out, made a movie with Disney, made Jeepers Creepers. Wow. And the new controversy is that there's a line in the movie, the new one, People, someone saw it and reviewed it, and said there's a character... The, the movie does not depict child molestation, but it does include a moment where two characters are discussing <coughs> why the girl no longer lives with her stepfather. And... Uh, and he and like kind of rationalizes it. He's there's a line of dialogue saying, "Can you blame him though? I mean, look at her. The heart wants what it wants," which Ugh. is literally a Woody Allen quote, which is problematic for another set of reasons. You know what? We should just cool down, watch Rosemary's Baby, something we can feel good about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so f- I just want to put out there that maybe don't support Jeepers Creepers three or the fourth one that he claims is happening. 
and uh, fuck Victor Salva. There was one episode where we, I forget who we said was a rapist, but it wasn't him. We like said the guy who made Jeepers Creepers and said someone else's name and oh, just like shit. spent the whole episode disparaging some guy who did not oh, no. molest children. So sorry. <laughs> we, we never went back and like addressed it. Uh, this is our apology. Sorry. Um, and back to, uh, let's do What Did You Watch? Did you watch anything this week that wasn't Gerald's game that you wanted to see? <laughs> I saw my parents and I went and saw Battle of the Sexes. Oh, good. Uh, I haven't seen that yet. I want to. I hear it's weird because it's like Hillary won wish fulfillment, but she didn't win. Like there's, there's definitely a big element of that. Uh, it's a, it's weird, though, because – well, first of all, uh, Steve Carell is Bobby Riggs. He's great, and it's definitely that. It's definitely – you can tell, but it's also very sympathetic to Steve Carell where there's a lot of scenes of him, like, playing with his kids and that kind of thing where it's like, well, if you wanted this to be that, then he shouldn't have been likable. And he was not likable during the time, right? Like, he was being a sexist He's a clown, yeah. yeah. But this character, like, and maybe it's just because Steve Carell is so inherently likable, but, like, you kind of, like, you're not rooting for him to beat her, but you are like, this guy's fun, he's harmless, which I think is a problem because of that analog. You know what I mean? I think so, too. Um, I've heard very mixed things about the movie. That's why I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going, I want to see it. I think it's... Not good, (laughs) but I mean, it was entertaining and I thought Steve Carell was great. Did your parents Um, like it? I feel like it's the one my parents would probably be like, yeah, it was good. No, I mean, they kind of had the same feelings. There's basically, there's a very poorly written romance uh, in it that like the dialogue is so bad that it really distracts. All the tennis stuff is really good, but the romance is really bad. And, but my favorite moment in the movie one of my favorite moments in any movie is there's a sex scene and my dad whispers very loudly to my mom, game, set, match. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed. So I was like, well, this was right the price of a mission. <laughs> no That's funnier than probably anything in the movie. Exactly, yeah. Holy crap. That's amazing. That's it? That's all you saw? That's the only movie I saw, yeah. You're a busy man. I watched a lot of TV. I watched Nathan for You. I watched. Oh, uh, that was so good was this so week. Good. Uh, Michael Richards. So funny. Yeah. What else do you watch? So, uh, speaking of handcuffs, another thing where handcuffs oh, came into play. That's yeah. right. That guy, the fucking guy who a thousand and one dollar, like the worst negotiator <laughs> ever. Uh, it's incredible. What else? What other TV was on this week? A uh, new episode of The Good Place. That was very good. I enjoyed. That's another thing that I need to watch. I hear it's amazing. Yeah, it's I haven't awesome. haven't had it spoiled for me. I know it's like something you're supposed to tread lightly talking about. And I watched like six episodes of American Vandal, which I really liked. It's good. That's the Netflix fake documentary about dicks. Yes, I hated it for ten minutes and have loved every minute since. So don't okay. turn it off after ten minutes because I did, and then I went back like three weeks later because so many people loved it, and yeah. now I, now I'm one of those people. All right, I've been meaning to watch it. That's you convinced me. Um, I saw some movies in theaters. Let's first talk about The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, This is Yorgos Lanthimos' new movie. It feels very much like one of his movies right away. They all have this, like, I don't want to say stoic, but, like, the characters all speak in this, like, matter-of-fact way about very strange topics. Like, it's very casual in this movie for, like, their daughter to say to a guest, like, I just got my period for the first time. And, like, no one even Mm -hmm. mentions that it's weird. Uh, The premise of this movie is, um, as a form of revenge, this boy, who is the son of a man who was killed on the operating table, who died on the operating table when Colin Farrell was the surgeon, not actual Colin Farrell, a character played by yes. Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, follow, you know how movies work, they right? don't, He wasn't on like a game show called Celebrity Surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was, a, it was in the world of the movie. It made sense. Um, uh, and the plot of the movie is basically that you kind of see him hanging out with this kid and you don't really understand why at first. And then it gets to the part where the kid just sits him down and is like, so someone in your family has to die and um, you get to choose who it's either your wife, your kid, your son or your daughter. You have to choose. But if you don't choose, they all die. And in the world of this movie, the explanation of how that happens or why doesn't matter. They don't even question it. This kid's authority is is there. Wow. Um, and it, the way it starts happening is um, he explains it very coldly matter-of-factly explains how it'll happen he says they're going to lose the ability to use their limbs they're going to bleed from their eye or they're not going to eat then they're going to start bleeding from their eyes and then they're going to die so you kind of see it slowly happen like his son can't walk then his daughter can't walk 
and he still refuses Colin Farrell kind of refuses to believe that he needs to choose and it kind of gets to this it's a it's an absurdist comedy I would say because like all of his movies are have this like weird undercurrent of like am I supposed to be laughing at this this is fucking crazy but it ends in such a like like the Sophie's Choice moment is so fucking crazy and dark and weird um so is it the, good? It's amazing. I oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. think it's probably his best movie that I've seen. Because it sounds like I, yeah, I feel like I would love this. It's really great. Um, it's so jarring, at, like at first, because you don't know what's happening, and then like that kid just kind of spits out that monologue of explaining what happens, and that's like it. And oh, it just gets so much more depraved from there. Um, I really highly recommend that. I'm not sure when it's coming out. I think it's sometime this month or next month. Um, I also saw American Made, which is the Tom Cruise movie based on a true story about Barry Seal, who was a commercial airline pilot for TWA Airlines, who in the movie, it's just kind of like a guy comes up to him and is like, hey, you want to do this? So I don't really know how they found him, Mm -hmm. but he gets recruited by like the CIA to like take his plane and do like reconnaissance mission. They give him this like awesome plane. Um, and basically, he just starts working for the government, and then they don't pay him enough. So, his word gets around that, like, uh, you know, the, the gringo who's flying here and doing all this stuff. So he gets involved with like the, the Medellin cartel and Pablo Escobar. It's all a true story, um, which is fucking nuts when you think about it. So it's just about this guy. You see him become like rich, and they have so much money. He literally runs out of places to put it. Um, doesn't have a happy ending if you know the true story. It's pretty mm. fucked up. Um, but it's a very fun movie, and it's the first time Tom Cruise has felt like Tom Cruise in years. Interesting. Because he's, uh, he's on a – I love Tom Cruise. I think he's like a true movie star. I'm, gonna, I'm ignoring all the Scientology mm-hmm. and the fact he doesn't talk to his daughter and all that bullshit. <laughs> on screen, he's very charismatic always, but his last couple movies uh, – The Mummy was the last one, which is the one of the, the worst thing he'll ever do. Oh, I'm wow. convinced he won't do anything worse than that ever. Um, and then before that was Jack Reacher 2, which I thought was disappointing when Jack Reacher 1 was actually pretty great. Um, but this is a movie where you can tell Tom Cruise is, like, jealous of, um, like, Leo and Marty Scorsese's relationship. Like, he wanted to make a movie like this so bad. Interesting. Um, it's directed by Doug Liman, who did, um, I think, Edge of Tomorrow, which I, which I think is great. And Swingers. <laughs> he also does this Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Doug Liman's had a very interesting career. I think his big break was, like, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and then Born Identity and then like he's just been doing big stuff ever since um, it's a very like you're gonna watch it on TNT when it's on type For of sure. movie it, yeah. doesn't, it didn't feel like it rose to the level of like if I didn't have movie pass I'd be excited to pay money to see this I can't see myself seeing it in theaters yeah, yeah no it's it was totally watchable and I didn't not enjoy a minute of it but I also like don't ever care to see it again yeah um, it's just very disposable it it Tom Cruise carries the movie. If it was anybody else, it would be just such a fucking bore. You know, it's one of those movies where, like, his smile gets a laugh, you know? Like, it's like, he's very good in that. Um, But I can't quite get very passionate about it. But then afterwards, I snuck in (laughs) to see Stronger, because it started right after. And I was not prepared for how much this movie would fuck me up. It is devastating. Do you know what? Do you know what it is? is he he can't walk, right? It's the Boston Marathon guy who lost oh, his leg. Oh, it was a Boston Marathon. Thing. Yeah. Okay. So like, I shit all over Patriots Day because that's like the fucking Peterberg masturbatory jingoistic. Like, Kevin Bacon picks up a ball bearing in the trailer and sniffs it and says, "This is terrorism." <laughs> like, it's uh, it's not like that at all. Yeah, this yeah. movie is. They made. They were uh, David Gordon Green's a genius. What they did is they took like a very human story about like any that could be anybody, and then just like applied it to the situation. So like the movie opens with Jake Gyllenhaal's character um, making an effort to get back with his ex who broke up with him like a month ago. You can tell they still have a thing, but like he keeps fucking it up, and like it's this whole thing. And he makes a point to say, "There's a whole the character." Uh, she's like, "You know, you never show up for anything. All this shit." So he promises, "I'm going to show up to the Boston Marathon." Fuck. Yeah, it's devastating. So from the first, I think it's the, the ten minutes into the movie, like the thing, the bomb happens, the bomb goes off, and for the rest of the movie, I'm in tears the whole time. Wow, the whole time, and it's fucking grueling. It's about his alcoholism. You know, it's kind of like a huge thing in Boston in general, apparently. Yeah, but like also just like uh, getting down to their level on that. Like he kind of gets, in, of course, sucked into alcoholism because of his mom, and it doesn't. It doesn't shy away from like really taboo fucked up topics like that and it does it so well and Jake Gyllenhaal gives Oscar worthy incredible performance you think it's gonna be uh 
I think he'll get nominated for it. He mm-hmm. should. It's it's one of those movies where I just if I didn't see the amazing reviews, people saying like don't knock the subject matter, just go see it. I wouldn't have seen it because I really don't like the exploiting a tragedy for sure. genre, which has become a thing. But he elevates the material. David Gordon Green elevates the material. There's just so many scenes that like have stuck with me, and I feel so gross about and like, um, and just how like the comp the complicated situation it it puts uh, his his girlfriend or his ex girlfriend in because she does want to get back with him, but now her life is his her life changed because of this too. She has to she moves in with him and like helps him and like yeah are they dating or like does she feel guilty for having to date him because it how ha- like it's just it asks all these really tough things, and the stuff with his mom is the worst because the mom like. He wants to – she's the one who's like, you know, Oprah called and she's coming. Like, holy shit. We're like, you're, you're, you're my son. You're Boston Strong. You're, you're a symbol for this country. Like, you have to help. And he doesn't want to fucking do that. It makes yeah. him sick to his stomach. So then his mom and his girlfriend are at odds over that. And, you know, he gets pulled out at the – uh, pushed out on the Bruins ice to, like, wave the flag and Boston Strong. It's like – so the movie's really just about, I'd say, like, the the pitfalls and also, like, the benefits. But, like – when you become a hero and when you become something bigger than yourself, like you become a symbol for the Boston strong movement, like how that affects a person. Totally. That's great. It fucked me up. Who else is is, in it? Um, just a lot of character actors who like names. I couldn't even tell you. Okay. Basically him as the lead and the woman. I want to get her name because she was fucking extraordinary. Also in a role that could have been so poorly done or like, uh, manipulative and bad. Uh, Tatiana Maslany. Oh, from Orphan Black. Oh, is that who she is? Yeah. Okay. She's also in, the only thing I know her from is uh, Eastern Promises, which is fucking awesome. Uh, Miranda Richardson is the mom. You'd recognize her. She's a character actress for sure. Mm. Uh, that's really it though. And incredible movie. I highly recommend. That's probably the best thing playing right now. Wow. Um, I will see that in the deer. Yeah. That I'm in the deer. Hoping my movie pass card comes soon. Yeah, you ordered it? I ordered it September 4th. Still waiting. Oh, wow. Yeah, they got severely slammed. I understand, but I also... I have all these ambitions for them. Like, I want them to do well because yeah. like, it's, like, the best thing ever. I've totally. been using it for years anyway when it didn't cost $10. Um, to me, it's like they need to double down on marketing. They need to have people outside the theater with clipboards and cards ready to go so people just buy it. That would be awesome. Right? Yeah. Then they would they would increase their subscriber base already in from what it already has doubled to. For they sure. would double it again. I'm uh maybe applying to a job at Movie Pass. We're going to we're going to see. Um but let's talk about the main event. Gerald's game. Now, I read this script in 2014 when I was reading scripts for a company I'm not going to say because I'm going to spoil a different script in a little bit, which you'll see why. It's very strange. But um <laughs> I read the script in 2014. Mike Flanagan wrote it then. Mike Flanagan and his partner, I forget his name. Um, sorry to the other guy who wrote this. Who I, I think it was name. Raymore, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good Raymore and Flanagan bit. Does that, <laughs> does that joke track across the nation or is that a local reference? I actually don't know. It's a good question. Listeners tweet it <laughs> at Tommy McNamara. I do know that would not work in a stand-up set. <laughs> I think this movie's written by Mike Flanagan. It was his writing partner, Raymore. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I, I wanted to mention that like this thing's been gestating for a while. Um, in interviews, um, Flanagan has said a million times, like he read this at 19 when he was 19, became his favorite Stephen King book, and it's been his like passion project to like get this movie made because it's been called unfilmable. Have you read it? No. Um, I have a voicemail to play from a friend who read the book, and I think we'll talk a little bit about nice. it. Nice. But it's essentially the movie. Let's the. I don't want to spoil it. it. The best way to watch this movie, like I watched it with my lady friend who hadn't didn't know a lick of detail, and that's the way to watch this movie because like it's fucking intense. But the basic synopsis, spoiler alert, I suppose, is that uh, you know a husband and wife go to like a remote uh, area, a house in the woods, basically to spice up their sex life. They got handcuffs. Um, her husband handcuffs her to the bed. His rape fantasy gets a little too intense for her, and it, they kind of fight a little bit. Rightfully so. Rightfully I would so. Say, yeah. It was fucked up. It's very intense. Yeah. And then he has a heart attack and dies on top of her, and she's stuck in handcuffs to a bed for 90 minutes. Now, I understand why that sounds unfilmable, because in the book, I think uh, it's mostly her, um, like, it, the book's in her head. Mm-hmm. It's her talking herself through the situation. And the movie fucking geniusly 
channels that through um, having you know multiple versions of each character. Kind of like it take it take what the, what the movie does is take internal dialogue and make it external, in a way that I thought was really interesting. Um, so the movie is that's that's basically the whole time. Yeah, and it's some it's it there's no ju- it's not a jump scare movie, but it. I think in an interview he said, we don't want you to jump. We want you to chew out the back of your chair. And like, that <laughs> is how I felt about it. Like there are so many scenes, one in particular that I'm, Oh my fucking God, the most gory, the most viscerally upsetting gore scene I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but everything before that is genuinely just scary because of the situation and like how it could happen. I'm like also just scared of dogs. Uh, <laughs> I have been since I was a kid. So this was like, Oh, man. Did you like the Cujo reference? Uh, of course, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of King references throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, did yeah. you notice? Do you know who played her dad? Did you realize who that was? No, who was it? The the Elliot from E.T. No. Yeah, they made him into a creep. Oh, my Isn't that fucked God. up? <laughs> well, that's like um, in Butterfly Effect, like the pedophile dad is, um, what's his name? He's like, it was an, he was an 80s teen star. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can picture him. I don't remember who People it is. People are mad. Yeah. 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 That movie is... Something. Yeah, I know. The yeah. But yeah, that second I saw that dog right in the beginning of Gerald's game, I was like, "Fuck, yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be." Going on. And they picked the scariest looking dog in the it world. It looks like a wolf. It could be a wolf. It yeah. might be a wolf. Yeah, I haven't seen his resume. <laughs> um, I another thing that this movie does that is really bold and why it was probably considered unfilmable is it deals with topics that most other movies would kind of gloss over because it's too fucked up to talk about, like child. Uh, not rape, but child molestation, whatever you want to call it. And it deals with them head on in a way that is not only like upsetting, but actually terrifying. Like that scene, the eclipse scene is like an incredibly filmed horror segment. Totally. Uh, I loved that. And I really thought it was really brilliant how they used that backstory in a way to kind of, uh, the way the movie ends, that whole, the way that she figures something out using her traumatic event from the past, I thought was brilliant. It's it's totally brilliant. And I applaud the filmmakers and I applaud Netflix for letting something so like a lot of people are gonna be very upset by that. For I'm sure. sure. Totally. Um and they just leaned into it and it's I don't wanna say it's like a tasteful child molestation scene. Yeah. But like it is handled with gri- with grace, and I I can't imagine another filmmaker doing the same scene. And it's also so honest in the sense of it's not like, I mean, it's you see her relationship with her mom is really damaged in a totally unrelated and different way. It's just like I don't know. I thought it was a very a very king a kingian kind of just <laughs> fucked up family like. Yeah, it's it, it it feels very Stephen King the whole time. But I will tell you where it feels the most Stephen King is in the last ten minutes of the movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, this is a contentious um, debate, I guess, amongst King fans. It always has been. I guess the book the book ends the same way. Another thing, Flanagan painstakingly um, like adapted the book the way he he like the way the book is written. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to deviate. He didn't want to make it his own. He wanted to make a good Stephen King adaptation. And he even someone addressed in an interview with him, like you know, the and he's controversial. Like, what do you want to say about it? And he said, "Yeah, I just like I don't want to, I didn't want to cut something out because of what pe- other people perceive as a flaw. He's like, I was gonna just do it and do it justice. And I get the ending. Uh, it's a very major spoiler alert, I guess. The ending. There's this whole the whole time in the movie there's like the oh, this like not even an illusion there's like a character that's you kind of think is death it's played by the guy who's uh, the fireman on Twin Peaks that giant guy it's very scary um, and, and you can interpret it throughout the whole movie as just like this creepy death is creeping up on her mm-hmm. and like about to collect her I think he, what he takes like a your engagement he takes an artifact from you and then kills you and yeah it's like, so like He's there the he has whole like time. He's like a jewelry box. He has a jewelry yeah. box. He's there the whole time, kind of taunting her, and it's very scary imagery throughout. I just thought that's what it was. But then the last ten minutes does the most Stephen King thing imaginable, and he just hastily, it seems like, writes it back into the story. Then it turns out he's real. It and- turns out the guy who plays Death is actually this like creepy hulking man who like is like a grave robber or something and, and like, who has this like crazy disease that enlarges your head, like he's like Elephant Man. Yeah, kinda. yeah, yeah. So. It's just, honestly, I will say, as a movie, it really is so fucking jarring. The last time it I saw this movie. It is very weird, If yeah. the movie <laughs> ended with that last shot on the eclipse, I would have said it's like, I, I still do think it's one of the best horror movies of the year and like in a long time, the best Stephen King adaptation in a long time. 
but it did take like it sucks that it ends on that note because like the movie's such a high, it's all high notes and then it just has this like limp ending where it's you're very like, goofy fuck yeah, yeah. You're made of moonlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? So she like confronts her her actual fear, like and sees him in court and like kind of sto- like snarks him and walks out. I will say one last great scary moment of those since we're already in the spoiler section yeah. was when he breaks out of those handcuffs. I was like, oh shit! Like, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, you thought it was, yeah, like, she yeah. was done for. Yeah, yeah. No, it's again. I don't want to say it takes away from the power of the movie, the rest of the movie, but it as of. Like critiquing it strictly as a film and not like strictly to the book, so it's fine. It's a, it's tonally jarring. It doesn't make sense with the rest of the movie at all, and it just left a bad taste in my mouth. That being said, I still can't stop thinking about this movie, and it didn't like ruin it for me. For sure, yeah, yeah. Um, let me play this voicemail from Randall Colburn. He has a podcast called The Losers Club on Consequence of Sound. And as you guessed, it's all about Stephen King. So I asked him to just leave a little voicemail. I don't know what he says. Um, I'm sure he goes over what we talked about. But uh, let's listen and uh, comment. Hey, Joe and Brett. This is uh, Randall from the Losers Club podcast, the Stephen King podcast, with Consequence Sound. You should listen to us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. But I'm not here to plug my podcast. I'm here to briefly share some thoughts on Gerald's game and this interview that I did with Mike Flanagan. Uh, just a few brief things. First off, I just want to say that I think the movie is excellent. It is very, very uh, loyal to the book. If you think that, I mean, you know, some adaptations benefit from very much straying from the book, but in this instance, I think that sort of the reverence that Flanagan has for the book really, really helps, uh, you know, convey the mood and um, really tell the story well. And it's, it's gruesome, but it's also really beautiful and really sad. And so, yeah, I think he really nails a lot of that stuff. And, um, and you know, he said in our interview that uh, being true to the text was really important to him. And the book is really important to him. He read it when he was 19, carried it around with him to pitch meetings. It's literally is like passion project. So, and, you know, we talked about the ending. The ending is really you know, controversial and divisive among Stephen King fans. And so, I mean, if you've seen the movie or read the book, you know. But he said that, you know, he didn't really say whether or not he loves the ending, but he said that, you know, he didn't feel like it was his job to fix uh, something that fans perceived to be a flaw in the book. And he really stuck with it. Uh, And, you know, I think he just wanted to film it to the best of his abilities and tell the story that Stephen King wanted to tell on film. And so that was, I thought, a really neat thing. And another thing that stood out to me that we discussed was that he explicitly mentioned uh, the the, uh, tie-in with Dolores Claiborne in the book, which I thought was really cool. Um, Because, you know, you put that, it's really ballsy to put that in the movie because, you know, there's no other reference. You don't know that this movie is connected to Dolores Claiborne if you're unfamiliar with those things. But for him, he felt like that was a really integral part of the story and that there was, that that connection between these two women, even if it lacks context, is still really important to Jesse's journey and I actually totally agree and think he really justifies it so yeah and then he actually also said that he was inspired by the movie version of Dolores Claiborne and that the eclipse scenes the redness and the, you know that that kind of hue was um, he was inspired by the way they did that in Dolores Claiborne and he wanted to have that connection between those movies which is really neat I think so yeah and then um, just a final touch like it's really amazing that he was able to really lean in and go nuts with sort of the the darkness that exists between Jesse and her father and that he actually went there and, uh, you know, kind of dove headfirst into that darkness. You'd think they might lighten that for a film adaptation because it's so heavy, but, you know, he really goes there and those scenes are really intense, which I think contributes to the general sense of unease that exists within the book So and the movie. So, yeah, you know, you get thumbs up from me. And uh, if you want to hear more thoughts on the movie and uh, the full interview with Flanagan, check out next week's episode of The Cast. But yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Love the pod. Big fan. All right. See you later. Bye. What is, what do you, do you, have you read Dolores Claiborne or seen Dolores Claiborne? No. So I haven't either. Um, I asked what he meant by that. And he said, when she talks about an old woman and a well in the vision during the eclipse, that's a reference to Dolores Claiborne. There's also the dark tower reference in there where he says like, um, all things serve the beam. 
He's just like, when she's about to die, he's like, don't worry about it. Like, all things serve the beam. Oh, yeah. Um, I liked that part where she went to the store from Needful Things. <laughs> <laughs> the clown from Pennywise just pops <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, Georgie. He pointed out something that, uh, first of all, the coloring on that scene was incredible. Yeah. The, it just looked stunning. And that was, I, I think that's one of the things you meant when you were talking about how cool it would be to see that in a theater. Totally. But also, yeah, the way you really have to live in that scene on the bed where her and her dad are talking and he's convincing her that it basically it's her idea not to tell anybody he about it. He gaslights the shit out of he her. He gaslights the shit out. And it was just like, it's fucked. You have to and live like, in it. Yeah. That scene is not only the lead up to that scene is even worse because like the way they say it, it's like, you know what he did to you in the bedroom was worse. Was worse. And yeah. you're like, fuck, don't you dare show me that. I was like appalled that they were going to do it again. And then they did that scene, which is, I think even worse. And it is somehow. worse. Yeah. It's really fucked up. It's so unsettling, and yeah, it's just deeply like the psychological. I mean, the torment, fact that we're yeah. talking about it in such terms, like it tells you how powerful of a movie this is, and I'm just I can't. Be- it's one of those things where I'm so thrilled that it's um, it's 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 there for like the world to see because you know that millions more people than would normally see this will see it just because it's sitting at the top of Netflix right now. Yeah, and that is uh, unsettling but good for hopefully. sure. Totally. Um, and I want, I brought up the script earlier because I swear to God, this happened to me the same month that I read Gerald's game for the company I was freelancing for. I read another script called the chair and it is, I didn't realize this until I read that one before. So then it caused me to like, be like, wait, is Stephen King's Gerald's game a ripoff of this person's script? Of course I had it backwards. Yeah, Gerald's yeah, game yeah. was first and this person just straight up was hoping no one would adapt it and wrote their own. So the premise that I wrote down the logline for, uh, a writer, it's called The Chair, as I said, uh, a writer asks his wife to tie him in a chair so he can better understand one of his tortured characters, but things go horribly wrong and he remains trapped in the chair and must escape to survive. So Gerald's Game. <laughs> <laughs> That's a much better title that they definitely should have went with. Maybe this thing would have existed. Um, I have the whole description here. I don't have to read all of it, but I remember it vividly because I read it first, and it's such an affecting story. Like I know you stole it from Stephen King, but when I read it first, I was like, wow. And I, my, my favorite part is my... Uh, my overall impression said, chair plays out like a great Stephen King story. That's so crazy. <laughs> um, but this one, um, I remember it vividly because there's this taunting scene. Basically, you know, he, his wife ties into a chair. She's reluctant to do it, but she, he, she make, he makes her do it because he wants to get into the head of his character. Then she goes to the kitchen to do something, and they, they allude to it earlier, you know, something on a high shelf. She reaches for something, falls, hits her head, and she's dead. The, the twist on the story, I guess, would be that there's a baby involved. There's a baby oh, crawling around shit. the house the whole time. Like a baby that needs to be fed and, and changed. And you literally, like, the worst part of it is watching this man, like, helplessly watch his baby die. Oh, my it's God. It's very fucked up. And the, like, the, it, the details, the way, the way it describes a baby, it's, like, it's very much like a, a gross dying baby. <laughs> um, so I want to know. I'm not going to shout out the writers here. But I want to know what they were thinking, what their lawyers had, if lawyers got involved when Gerald's game came out. Also the idea to kind of rip off a King plotline and then make the main character a writer. I know. It's like so crazy. It's, it's very much a King ripoff. And I, I'm so, I can't believe I didn't realize it until I read Gerald's game. and was like, wait a fucking second. For sure. Um, I don't know what else to say about uh, Gerald's Game other than I highly, highly recommend it. I don't think Netflix will put out anything better this year or maybe ever. Um, did you feel that strongly or you just think it's a pretty good movie? I, I really enjoyed it. I think the ending made it a little less powerful for me just yep. with how goofy I felt it was. And uh, I think that it was they had to have, uh, you know, kind of – person talking to ghost kind of thing. You know what I mean? I don't usually love that. I think they did a good job of it, but I just always, it always reminds me of the Dexter talking to his dad scenes that I hated. <laughs> I hated those. Uh, I mean, to me, it always harkens back to uh, American werewolf, which is, I think maybe where that trope originated. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think they do a good job. Of it. I just don't love the trope. Right. In itself. That trope. I mean, in American werewolf, it's very funny. They, uh, they try that in the mummy movie with Tom Cruise. 
There's like, no. guess who is the the specter? It's Jake Johnson from New Girl. Oh my god! <laughs> it is atrocious. <laughs> um, but I also agree. I was kind of a. I didn't think I would like this movie that much once it, like it's. But it is the only stuff. way you could do it. It's the only. But it's the only way you could do it, and I think yeah. it ultimately outweighed the annoyingness of the trope. And I mean, some of the scenes are were truly incredible. I'm so happy I watched. It. I do think it's really good. I think there were things that annoyed me in it, but overall, definitely watch it. And um, oh, I I think like the new thing on YouTube. You know how people like when they react to the red wedding scene, it like all went viral <gasps> there needs to be that for the hand scene oh, in this God. movie just picturing it just picturing it because of like how anatomically correct you know for like sure. it, it looks like real like it's like that's what it would look like if you did that <laughs> and it's so fucked and crude yeah. and gross and and then like the immediate <laughs> aftermath of her like trying to walk around afterwards i was just i was like act, you know they said they want like to bite the chair like i was freaking out for sure i was viscerally reacting to this movie oh yeah that that part was so well done so good so scary my girlfriend was very mad that we were watching it oh yeah <laughs> she, she was she doesn't like scary movies no. Marcia, she just kept being like can we please just watch bob's burgers can we please <laughs> just watch bob's burgers I was like no i have to watch this <laughs> i have a podcast to do <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> no no for I doing that. yeah um yeah highly recommend it uh, I think we're good. We talked for an hour and five minutes. This was great. I was so happy to do it. Thanks Thank for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Shows? Podcasts? Check out my podcast, Stand By Your Band, and then uh, show dates uh, at my website, TommyMcNamara.com. Come see me do stand-up comedy. Cool. Do that. He's great. Um, my name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Uh, enjoy the sweet sounds of Bob Deep. Tell the action your mind will crack and put my mans on if it's popping, bitch, you laughing. Everything that I spit is real to everything on your inside you're scared to tell. The world creep, no ring a bell. Girl, I know the situation all too well. I'ma keep a gangster crept about. Lady called on, so I had to bounce with bleach in the crib. All my clothes got doused. That's when the nigga knew I had to get out. Know what you're going through, been there before. Relationships now is like they got these laws. Girl, all you wanna do is just be free, and that's why a nigga like me got these keys. I got some keys to those handcuffs. Wanna be free? Throw your hands up. I got some keys to those handcuffs. Wanna be free, throw your hands up I got them keys to those handcuffs Wanna be free, throw your hands up I got them keys to those handcuffs Wanna be free, throw your hands up I got them keys